You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, it's Locked On Horn Frogs. I am Stephen Simcox, your host, and I'm excited to do this again. We did this with uh, Tommy Fisher last week. It's called Fan Corner, and it was actually his idea, but I'm enjoying it. We're getting to talk to TCU fans, why they love the university, you know, their expectations for this football season. And we have a special guest today, uh, Patton Maynard. And Patton, um, I'm excited to have you on, and you pointed this out to me. So when you first DM'd me, I was like, I feel like I recognize this person somehow. <laughs> And you said, yeah, I'm, I started uh, this organization called the Dutchman. And if you don't know what that is, they're the people with the over with the cool overalls at the, at the games. And so first off, Patton, like how did that sort of originate? And you, you seem like a guy with a lot of school spirit, which is something I admire because that's not, uh, that's not all of us for sure. Sometimes we can get a little complacent and blase and you, you really drive that up at, at TCU sporting events. Well, I, first off, thanks for having me on. I love the podcast. I, I love the network and everything. So really big fan, super happy to be on here. Um, as for your your question on the Dutchman stuff, that kind of goes into my history as a, a TCU fan and such. So the, the really long and short of it is uh, grew up being a TCU fan, Fort Worth kid, family's Fort Worth. My mom's family, almost all TCU. My dad's family, almost all Aggies. So a lot of the hoorah stuff with the Aggies, a lot of the Fort Worth tradition stuff with the TCU folks. And growing up, I was thinking, oh, do I want to go to school out of the state? Do I want to go to school out of the uh, out of the city I grew up in? So I was looking at some other schools. My sister went to school at UNR up in Reno, Nevada, which is an awesome school. I can't talk highly enough about that place. So I was thinking about going somewhere further away. But then really at the end of high school, uh, while I was applying, realized like what I was doing was looking at schools that didn't really fit in, like looking at schools that I liked, but they weren't exactly what I really, really wanted, which was TCU. And the only thing that was against TCU is like, I grew up in this city. So like, screw it. I, you know, decide I'm, I'm going to go to TCU. It's just silly to me to think like the only reason I wouldn't go to TCU is because I grew up here, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. So then I, I ended up going to TCU, loved it. And uh, ironically, my my sister, my, my parents saw more of my sister who was in school in Nevada <laughs> than they saw of me at uh, in school in Fort Worth because uh, yeah. I was so dang busy. So that's one of the things I love about TCU is that it, it can be as big or small as you want it to be. So all that being said, going into the Dutchman stuff, um, a organization had existed for a couple of years up at, up until that point. I started uh, TCU in 2016. Um, so, you know, right after the 2015 year, right after the Alamo Bowl, all that nonsense. Um, so an organization had existed, but it was a student organization. And it was very go with the flow. Just come in. Hey, man, if you want to come hang out, you want to throw on some overalls and cheer for the team, et cetera. Wasn't organized um, to any large extent. And uh, I came in, uh, had my freshman year, and then I joined the team what it what it was um, in 2017 and really started working to make it an official team. Got it uh, officially as a part of athletics marketing so it's a part of tcu spirit not a part of it's not a a student organization it's under the umbrella of uh, athletics so it's run by that 
uh, set up the bylaws, if you will, how it operates. Um, and I was the, the head Dutchman for, I would say 2017, 2018, then my senior year 2019. Uh, and it was, it was a blast. And I, I can tell you more about the, the team and why the heck to do it and stuff like that. But that's the, the really long and short of it is that's what it was, you know, growing up, big spirit, wanted to bring something to TCU, saw this opportunity, jumped in, took it, got it established within athletics and so on. So as part of that too, because you talked about the, the Aggie background. And that's, yeah, that's exactly so, what it Yeah. Is. So, so here's what I know about Aggies. It is, it is one heck of a friendly cult. Like they are, there are traditions there. There is a culture there that from an outsider perspective, I remember when that video last year, I think it was maybe before it of the yell leader of the yell leader. Yeah. yeah and I can't remember I, if that. I, I, yeah, go, go, ahead, go ahead. No, I can't remember if that circulated like before the Bama game or not, but it was, yep. you know, everybody's watching this and they're just like, what is this? But it, it's obviously like important and there's, there's a hokey vibe there, but like everyone buys into it. So is, is that sort of something that you want to establish at, That's at TCU? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, and ironically, the guy that went viral on that video, I've met him. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I actually met him a little bit before that video dropped. And he's a great guy, great yell leader. And I've known some yell leaders in the past. So again, Aggie family, TCU family, you know, you got the choice of, do you want to be a fourth generation Horn Frog? Do you want to be a fourth generation Aggie? I wanted to study liberal arts and theater. So I wasn't going to go to an Ag mm. Mech school, you know, yeah. um, also that school has the population of like a small country. Right. Um, <laughs> but the, the traditions, I love that. And uh, TCU is such a old school. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's kind of this, notion that that TCU doesn't have a bunch of old traditions and that somehow it's like a newer school when we have like some of the oldest rivalries traditions etc it's just that in this period in like the middle of the 1900s like the middle of the 20th century TCU athletically in so many ways was pretty well trash so a lot of those traditions just kind of came and went with the different generations that came through so something that I wanted to do was grab those old traditions uh, and make them, you know, these old archaic traditions that we had, such as Rifram, and make it something mm-hmm. that we do regularly, make it something that we celebrate these traditions, etc. Um, so one of those ideas is what we do at the TCU games now, where after every touchdown, the student section uh, that pump in your arms and you do uh, Rifram. That was an idea because we thought we have this chant that's so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, And we got to use it. And then, of course, going back to Aggie stuff, I don't know if you're aware the origin of the Riffram chant, but I'm a I'm an encyclopedia for the the legend origins of a lot of this crap. Um, But that's that's actually where Riffram came from back in the uh, back in like the 20s and 30s, whenever A&M first started out with their yell leaders Uh, and TCU is playing A&M. Of course, everyone knows that Gigum is a reference to TCU, mm-hmm. to Gigging Frogs. Oh, uh, and uh, that came from, you know, whenever A&M was first starting their traditions and people forget that TCUs were coming around the same time. So the story on Riff Ram is that while TCU and A&M were playing each other and the yell leaders for A&M were down in front of uh, their fans, leading them in chants and such, the TCU fans start mocking them by just yelling gibberish. <laughs> Over the years, that gibberish eventually gets written down and it becomes riffram. That's why people ask what the heck it means. It's gibberish. It's gibberish mocking Aggie chants. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's exactly 
um, you, you talked about Aggie stuff. That's exactly what it is. And okay. luckily, whenever I was starting, uh, whenever I was bringing the organization under the umbrella of athletics, that's before um, Del Conte dipped out down to UT. And the guy that uh, one of the guys that left with them uh, was in marketing and he was an Aggie. So whenever I came in and talked to him in the meetings and said, I really want to do something similar to uh, Yell Leaders in a similar sense. And there's a few other schools we based it off of. Uh, he was, of course, really, really gung ho on board with it. And then it just started. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and that's interesting. I, I maybe heard that story at Frog Camp, but if I did, I don't remember it. Um, so <laughs> it's it's good that you're sort of bringing that back or trying to get that more established in the TCU community. Um, one more thing about your background, and then we'll get to sort of the team. So growing up, a Fort Worth kid, you know, TCU kid, I'm trying to do the math here. Like, I know the Rose Bowl happened, like, in your formative years. Right. But then that must have been kind of weird, too, because, like, in the mid-2000s, I mean, the team was good, but it was still, like, sort of a secret because they were bouncing around conferences. Like, did you know a lot of people your age growing up that were TCU fans, or what was kind of that breakdown like? Oh, God, no. Absolutely (laughs) not. Uh, Growing up in school, I was the lone TCU fan. There was, like – and I went to a tiny private school and I was a lone TCU fan. There was like maybe two Baylor fans and then everyone else was either mm. a tech fan or a UT fan. There weren't even Aggies. Everyone's UT. Oh, UT's the best. It's so great. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I was bullied like crazy for being a horn frog, which of course was hilarious because then I get older and older and older and the better and better TCU gets and the worse and worse UT gets. So it's, yeah. it's just great. But absolutely not. And, and you know, I went to my family. Um, my dad actually had, before he ever met my mom, um, my dad, the Aggie, had season tickets with his brother uh, to the TCU games because it's the team that's in Fort Worth. They're both mm-hmm. Aggies, but it's the team that's in Fort Worth we want to go to it. So my mom jokes that the reason she married my Aggie dad was because he had TCU season tickets. So then <laughs> we go off from there. But I remember TCU games back in the early 2000s when no one would be there. And I remember getting pretty pissed off whenever TC started getting good because Mm -hmm. people would show up to the games. And I distinctly remember me not being able to play with my toy cars all the way from end zone to end zone (laughs) into bleachers. So I distinctly remember that. They were messing with your entertainment. Exactly. Uh, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about the team itself. So they're, they're coming into a new season, new era. Um, and, and Patton, we're going to make you the coach for a second. And oh, I, no. I would hope you still wear your overalls and you're, you're still out there, you know, with the headset on. Um, but if you, if you had a choice on who the starting quarterback was going to be in seven days as we're recording this, cause they play Colorado next Friday. Um, who would your choice be? And what do you make of Sonny Dyke saying that he thinks three quarterbacks might play in that road opener against the Buffaloes? Oh man. Um, Here's something I'll say. I'll I'll completely agree with Coach Dykes in that you got two, even Sam, three really good quarterbacks um, that I think could all lead you in different ways. And by that, I mean you have three different real, I think, teams or strategies that you go with with these three different guys. I think Chandler Morris, you're a more um, run-happy team. Or I'm sorry, you're a more throw-happy team. Mm -hmm. Max, you're a more run-happy team. Sam Jackson is just a pure freaking athlete. Mm Yeah. So um, what do I think is going to happen? I really don't know. What do I want to ha- Who do I want to be the starter? Genuinely, I, I really don't have someone that I think, oh, if we don't have this guy be the starter, then we're, 
you know, we're screwed. Okay. Um, what I would want instead would just be for someone to be the starter. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a preference with who the heck it is. Someone just needs to be holding the reins, if that makes sense. I'm very yeah. big on on kind of uh, hierarchy and organizations. Again, like putting the Dutchman under athletics because you need someone to be in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. You got three guys, but someone needs to be in charge. <laughs> I don't really have a preference for who the heck it is, but someone needs to be in charge. That would be my answer. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we we gotta have a decision. A, a clear leader is is always a good thing. Um, exactly. Well, well, man, I, I mean, I, I'm imagining your your background. How long you've been following this this program? Like, you have to be a a Gary Patterson guy, like through and through. Like that's that's who you are. So this must be so strange for you. It is. Um, but but what do you think about Sunny Dykes, and what kind of excites you about the new direction and in the new era of of TCU football? Yeah, so something that excites me on the the new direction is the uh, media marketability. Um, I mean, just the the content that we're putting out on social media, especially. I think that we brought in a coach that's very big on all this NIL stuff that we're doing here. So really bringing us into um, this new field of college athletics. You know, not saying whether you like that new field of college athletics, just saying that that's what it is. So. I think that the the hire on Sonny Dykes is a move, in my opinion, um, that is going to just really build the uh, the TCU brand. Not necessarily. Let me let me clarify this after I say it. Not necessarily from we're just winning games because I think a lot of times people in athletics, um, a lot of times people in athletics look at uh, like marketability of teams. Mm-hmm. And they look at it kind of like a best mousetrap theory of like, like business marketing type stuff of, well, whatever the best team is, people are going to follow that. Well, not necessarily. You could have a team that isn't really that great, but a lot of people still follow it, et cetera. Um, Of course, winning does help, but you need to have something where you're, you're marketing the team um, and and such. And that's why it kind of worries me with all the, um, conference realignment stuff but yeah. as far as sunny goes i think it's a good hire uh from a marketing standpoint we'll see on the the winning games but mm-hmm. as far as we're going to get the tcu brand out there we're going to put a bunch of advertisements out there we're going to put a bunch of media out there you know we're making stuff on tiktok and making stuff on twitter all this stuff um for the the athletes i think that's good for the the team brand so you talked about the, the traditions earlier. And so let's let's talk about the game day experience. If you sort of had more control, or let's put it this way. If you, if a, a fan sitting here listening to this is like, man, I'd, I'd love for TCU football to be more electric or just it Fort Worth be a place where teams go, oh, no, we, we have to go. Mm-hmm. We have to go to Amon G this year. Like no matter how good or bad the team is, that's always just a tough place to play. What is what's kind of the one thing you'd like to see fans do more of, or the one tip you would give people coming to the games to to really ratchet that up to to a certain level? Well, uh, that's a really good question. I would say, I mean, Fort Worth. I believe Fort Worth has really rallied around uh, TCU in just the last couple of decades, business wise. I mean, besides just the oh, it's our team, etc. But business wise, TCU brings in a crapload of dollars to the Fort Worth community. Um, so something that I think that TCU fans uh, 
need to focus on is all this kind of negative press that we're getting from other football teams that say, oh, well, Fort Worth isn't really a, a TCU town. There's so many more people doing this. Use my my dad as an example. My dad's not a horn frog. He goes to every game because mm-hmm. it's the team that's there. So right. uh, this this concept that, well, there's not that many people that go to TCU, et cetera, so they don't have a large fan base. And, oh, well, TCU, Fort Worth doesn't really rally behind it. Really, it does. Um, mm-hmm. So just because you see a tweet that says that Fort Worth doesn't care about uh, TCU doesn't make it true. People still go to the games and it's a, a rowdy place. As for something that uh, would it, would make the environment even better for the fans uh, as well as uh, harder for the opponents is just being loud. And I know that's so generic, but being loud all the yeah. time. Um, the the TCU student section, of course, in the last few years, it's been tough yeah. with the, the way the team has uh, performed. But the TCU student section is is pretty legit. We go from end zone to end zone, right behind the opponent bench, and it's just standing room only. You don't have to buy a seat. You just come in, pack in. So it's always really, really rowdy. And we're one of the only student sections in the country that doesn't sit down during the game except for like halftime. Uh, so many other student sections, they're only in two sections. You have to buy a ticket to get in and you really sit down whenever your team's on offense or defense or whatever, and you stand up whenever there's a big play. TCU is standing room only. You pack in and it's loud as hell. So I think Uh people forget about that a lot as far as the students go, but as far as the fans go, just being loud. um, The, the noise is electric. Yeah, no, I mean, it can really impact a game. I think sometimes people are like, Oh, I can't impact a game. It's it's all about the team on the field, which it is to a, a large extent. But you can right. you can you know cause some things to happen by just being engaged um, at at a game. Okay, Patton, this has been great. Before we go, your record prediction for this year? We'll we'll just say in the twelve game regular season, no bowl game. What, what do you think? How many wins do the TC Horn Frogs end up with? Oh man, I hate picking this because my my Dutchman <laughs> response, my Dutchman response is of course we're going. You said only regular season. We're yeah. going thirteen and zero. That's Just right. Add an Come extra on. win in there. You know yeah. we're 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 gonna go. We're going fifteen and zero. We're gonna win. So win it many all. Games. Let's do it. Exactly. Yeah. So in reality, I think that what I'm looking at more this season is like what specific games do we need to win? I think uh, go go bowling. That's a start. Uh, I think that there's a, a list of specific games that we need to win. Uh, three, three important ones being Baylor, SMU, and uh, uh, Texas Tech. Uh, sorry, I forgot about that one because they're such a small brand. But <laughs> you know, those three. Even if we went two, two and one out of those three, I'm okay with that. The most important one being SMU. I think that it's going to be a tough, especially with that third being the third game. It's going to be a tough, tough season if we drop the ball literally on that one in Dallas. Um, but I think, I think seven, eight wins. That's my, that's my pitch who those seven or eight are from. I don't know. Seven or eight. That's my bet. I like it. it he's Patton Maynard. Remember this name, all you wealthy horn frog people that need, <laughs> that need legal help in a few years. Patton's in law school. And so he's going to be out there just, you know, drumming up business and um, whether win or lose, he'll be, He'll be at those TCU games. We know that for sure. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much for doing this with us. We appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Been great. We'll be back with more Locked on Horn Frogs after this.